Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. Well, the older I get, the more I realize that most things in life lack staying power. I was reminded of this uh, because last weekend I went back with my brother and sister, went out of town to visit my father whose health is uh, weak. Uh, he has, uh, was recently uh, in the hospital. He has a weak heart. He just had shoulder surgery, which is a source of irritation. His hip is bad and uh, just a number of things where his body is just starting to break down. Uh, it's, it's sad to watch. My father came over when he was 18 uh, from Germany, came to Chicago not knowing anyone to start a new life for himself. And being from Germany, it, mean, it meant that the sport of choice, demand, in our house was soccer, uh, football to the rest of the world. And every Saturday at 12 o'clock, we would watch Soccer Made in Germany, if anyone ever remembers that back in the day. And we would watch Soccer Made in Germany while eating uh, uh, lunch from the local German delicatessen, Old Time Sausage is what it was called. And that was our Saturday routine. We would watch German soccer and we would eat German uh, uh, lunch meat. And uh, my memories are of my dad watching him play soccer and my brother and I were reminiscing last weekend of uh, thinking back of when my dad was about, you know, my age, maybe a little bit younger and uh, how he was so incredibly fast. And we would say, remember how fast dad was? He's like 43 and he's schooling these guys half his age. And uh, my dad grew up playing, played semi-professional. He was a, a, a good player. And then, you know, I, I look at him now in his mid-70s and a body that he really hasn't taken care of. We would watch him play and he'd school a guy half his age and then at halftime he'd smoke a couple cigarettes. That's just like, you know, the way that, that he rolled. And um, he coached several of my soccer teams and when we got older, my brother and I had the privilege of playing with him on some men's teams and, uh, you know, there's something about uh, when your parents age, just the reminder that very few things in life have staying power. Uh, when you're young, you think that you are indestructible and your body is invincible. And I remember at 19, 20, 21, playing softball, uh, church softball teams, uh, and playing with guys who were my age. And I would laugh at them as they would get up and they would be sore and their body was aching. And, and I'd give them a hard time and they'd just say, just wait, your time is coming. And I'd laugh and I'd be like, my time is never coming. My time is here, Right. And uh, if you're young, I'm just, I'm telling you what they told me, your time is coming. I know you think it won't happen, but it will. You, hair will start growing out of parts of your body that hair should not grow out of. It's just part of getting old. And you will go to bed feeling relatively well and you will wake up sore. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to one of our church members walking around the lobby with the limp. And I said, man, what happened? He said, I, I woke up with a sprained ankle. <laughs> How... <laughs> How do you sprain your ankle in your sleep? But if you're past the age of 40, you know it can happen. You're just like, I sprained my ankle. I don't know what happened. I'm convinced that I'm a sleep runner and I must run several miles every night. That accounts for why I'm so sore when I wake up in the morning. Uh, very few things have staying power. The power to remain. With time, things break down and disintegrate and evaporate. And the older you get, you begin to realize this. You'll experience relationships that didn't make it because they lack staying power. And friendships that you thought would last forever, but they dissolved over something possibly silly. And 
You can lose finances overnight because of a market crash and they didn't have staying power and your home can be taken away from you. Your car can be taken away from you. Even someone you love might be taken away from you. Look at history where entire civilizations lack staying power and they're gone. Creatures uh, that have gone extinct. Your sports team may have won the championship, but brace yourself because staying power is rare unless you're like, the New England Patriots, and they just kind of keep coming back. I don't know how that happens. Oh, stop clapping. I don't know how that happened. But perhaps the secret of life is to build on a foundation that does not change, that actually has staying power. And Paul speaks of this staying power in 1 Corinthians 13. We'll put it on the screen. It'll be our key text here for our series. Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child. And I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away, uh, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, talking about now versus in the future. But then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And then here's the text I want us to focus on. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We're starting a new series today called Back to Basics. Life can be complicated and can be overwhelming and confusing. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to push the clutter to the side of the room and focus on the basics or focus on what really matters. And Paul tells us, in the end, these three things must abide, or these three things remain. They possess staying power, faith, hope, and love. If you want an inside tip on living a successful life, then these three things must be protected. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about John 10.10, 10, where Jesus says that there is a spiritual enemy whose goal is to steal and to kill and to destroy everything that you hold as valuable. It's a sobering reminder that there really is an enemy who is out after you, who is out after me, and, and he's out after the three things, these key three. If he can steal your faith, then he steals your future. If he can rob you of hope, then you will tap out when life becomes difficult. If, if uh, he can get you to stop believing in love and bitterness embraces you, then you will become part of the problem. Faith, hope, and love must be protected at all costs. Here's what this means. The enemy, Satan as Jesus talks about, he's not interested in your car. The enemy is not interested in your house or in your finances. His purpose is to not simply break up your marriage for the sake of adding another statistic to our country's roster. Ultimately, he's not even interested in your health. Listen, they are simply avenues that he uses to gain access to what really matters. Because ultimately, the struggle isn't about your job. You will find another job. It may not pay as much, but you will survive. Finances are, uh, can be frustrating, but you will manage. Ultimately, the struggle isn't even over your marriage or over your health. That's not to diminish or to minimize those things, but the tension lies in the fight to protect what needs to remain when all else is finished. Faith, hope, and love. 
early on in my Christian life, I thought the enemy was after my stuff. And so I would ask people, hey, would you pray for my job? It's, it's, there's stuff going on at work. Pray for my job. But never, you know, I would say pray for my job security. But never would I ask them to pray that my faith would be secure. And I would ask them to pray uh, over a health concern, but never did I ask them to pray that my hope would remain anchored. I would ask people to pray over a relationship conflict that I was having, but never or seldom did I ask them to pray that my love would remain unpolluted. Now somebody needs to hear this. The enemy is not after your stuff. He's after the key three. Because if he can take your faith, if he can take your hope, and if he can take your love, then he has taken your future. So today, we jump in with the new series, Back to Basics. Let's pray and let's see what God would have for us today. Holy Spirit, today is a message of encouragement. A message to redirect and to focus on what ultimately matters and the things that we should be sowing into and that need to be a core part of who we are. But today is also a message of warning that we can get sidetracked and we can neglect that which needs to remain. And so today, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us and would you direct us and would you redirect us? Would you form and inform us as is needed? Would you come and be to each of us what is needed at this moment in our lives personally? And would we experience the presence of God today? Would you stir us and encourage us? Would you plant deep within us, faith and hope and love. Especially for those who are here that are at the end of the resources. Would you show yourself again to them? In Jesus' name, amen. Luke records a conversation between Jesus and Peter. Peter is also known as Simon. And Jesus reveals a sobering truth in, in Luke 22. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. There are a few phrases you never want to hear come out of the mouth of Jesus. This is one of them. Right? Now, think about this if you were Peter. This also highlights a dynamic of what is taking place in a spiritual realm that is unseen, I believe is taking place in a spiritual realm around us, that is unseen, unknown, unheard, and yet in a spiritual realm, there was an approach that Satan came and said, Jesus, let me at your boy that I may pick him apart piece by piece. So Jesus says, hey Pete, good news, bad news. Bad news is Satan's demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. Now if you're Peter, my next question would be, So what did you tell him? And here's what Jesus tells him. But I have prayed that your faith may not fail. Now if I was Peter, I'd say, Jesus, thank you for the prayer. But how about you just tell him no? Right? So here's this. I mean, imagine Jesus comes to me, Marty. Satan has demanded that he would sift you. Like we had to be like, but you're there for me. It's like, I prayed that you'll survive it. I'm like, Really? Which I find an interesting result of this, because this conversation occurred just before Peter's denial of Jesus. Jesus was arrested, and out of fear, uh, Peter denies him. But prior to this, Peter's like, 
I will never deny you. I will be with you to the end. I'm willing to die for you. And, pizza, and Jesus is like, Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. He didn't say that last part. He's like, Peter. He's like, come on. He's like, I know you like to talk before you think. And he says, Peter, in actuality, what's going to happen is you will deny me three times before this day is over. It's, it's interesting that Jesus did not pray that Peter would avoid the upcoming conflict or the tension or the attack that was coming uh, that Satan was bringing against him. He didn't even pray that Peter would not mess up because he knew he would mess up. He knew he was going to deny him. He prophesied he was going to deny him. He knew he was going to deny him before he ever recruited him. He knew he was a hothead. He knew all of his pros and cons of strengths and weaknesses. And yet in this time, the issue at hand was not the temporary failure of Peter, but the greater failure of abandoning his faith. Because these three must remain, faith, hope, and love. He says, Peter, I'm praying not that you avoid this tension. And I'm not even praying that you mess up, that you don't mess up, because I know you're going to mess up. But what I am praying is that ultimately your faith does not fail you. Because if you give up on faith, you will have nothing left to bring you back. And you will have nothing to spark the transformation that needs to take place within you. Peter's life's about to get difficult. He says, but I do not pray that you avoid the tension. But I pray that one of the key three that must remain in you remains intact and active. That your faith, although it will falter, that it will not abandon, it will not be abandoned and it will not ultimately fail you. Because faith is our staying power. It is the invisible yet ever-present. Your staying power, my staying power, is not my job or even my family or those things that I'm attached to. When the enemy comes, he's coming after what matters most. Not just what will make you stumble, but what will take you out. And he knows that if he can hit you long enough that your faith is shaken and eventually walked away from, then he's taken your future. And he knows if he can kick you as, uh, enough when you're down that your hope may be compromised. And when you no longer believe that tomorrow can be better than today, he has you. If you've been betrayed enough times, your heart will become hard. See, he's not coming for your job. It's not your health. It's not even your family. He's coming for the three that must remain. This means that we have to protect what matters. It amazes me that we live in a culture that we can protect everything except what matters most. We protect our skin with SPF 90 because we're walking to the mailbox. And we guard our family from certain chemicals and we boast that the only chemicals in my house are water and essential oils. Right? Which is that's positive, don't get me wrong. Right? We guard our caloric intake. I mean, some of you do, I don't, but some of you do. And, and, and have you ever been with people who... You brought with friends and you're trying to figure out where you're going to go for dinner. Some want Italian, some want Mexican, others want burgers. And there's this 10-minute debate. And then you finally decide, all right, we're getting Chinese. And, and everyone's happy. And then you got that one friend that's like, but did they serve anything that's gluten-free? You're like, really? You're going to protect yourself from gluten, whatever that is. But we leave ourselves exposed to that which matters most. We go to extremes to protect our children and build a bubble around them. According to the latest government height standards, my wife should still be in a car seat. True story. 
We protect our children. Hey, we grew up rolling around on the dash, jumping over front seat to back seat, landing, sitting in dad's lap with this massing steering wheel. And, and I'm, those things are good. Protect our children. Don't get me wrong. But we'll guard our house with alarms and dogs and guns, and yet we leave exposed that which must remain at the end. Faith, hope, and love must be guarded. Life does not slow down. It will continue to come at us. Satan will continue to jab and poke and plan against you. And there will be a time with age, and you don't like to hear this, but you will not win at everything. You will lose some things because not everything has staying power. You're going to lose some friendships and some jobs or some promotions and some strength and some finances and money, resources. Eventually, you're going to lose some health. You're going to lose some relationships. But what you cannot lose, Paul says, is faith, hope, and love. They must be maintained. Our challenge then is to not allow anything that we lose to destroy what we have left. Because we know we're going to lose some things, but that which we lose cannot destroy what we have left. Our faith, our hope, and our love. They are weapons, and if you possess them, somebody needs to hear this, if you possess them, if you're sowing into them, and if they are increasing, you will make it through this storm that you're in. If you possess, possess them, you will navigate through this darkness. But if you do not, then your future is in question. The key three. You may have lost yesterday, but if you possess them, you're coming out the other side victorious. You may have lost at love, but the final chapter of your life has not yet been written. Your body may have betrayed you, but, but, but your, your, your future is secure if you possess the three. Today you may find yourself wandering in darkness, but if the key, key three are intact, your future is bright. Someone needs to decide, myself included. That it doesn't matter what tomorrow looks like. In my life, these three will be in full effect to the day I breathe my last. Yes, I wish the relationship didn't end. And yes, what he did hurt me or what she did hurt me. And I prefer we didn't lose the house. And I wish my body wasn't betraying me and breaking down. But when it all comes to a close, at the end, at my last breath, I have made a decision. These three will remain faith, hope, and love. And if on your deathbed you draw your last breath and those three are close to you, you have had a life that was well lived. Faith, hope. And love. If you try to take it, I'm going to fight you for it. And if the enemy tries to take it, I'm going to fight him for it. And bankruptcy cannot take it, and an ex lover can't steal it, and the boss can't possess it, and the courts can't have it, and the doctor can't lay hold of it. It's your job to maintain and to sow into the three faith, hope, and love. These three things I will have left to the day I die. If you're going to engage in spiritual warfare, then here, fight for something that matters. The key three matter. Faith will bring you through your circumstances. Faith that allows you to believe that God's best is still at play. Faith that circumstances of today do not determine your tomorrow. Faith that believes in the unknown and the unseen and the unheard. Faith that allows you to bounce back even after the enemy has put you on the mat. Years ago, 
we had this crazy dog named Ziggy. He was an Australian shepherd. His first three years of life were golden. He was fantastic. And then something snapped in his head. And he started eating mini blinds and went through separation anxiety and would destroy the house. And, and he, he would bust out of, uh, when the windows were open, he'd bust out the screens uh, on the top floor and we would get calls saying, your dog is on the roof. And I thought they were joking, but he was literally on the roof, that, you know, the garage slope. And he'd be on the roof barking at people when they would come by. And so our late neighbors would go up with a ladder and a broom and try to push him back in the window and then shut the window on him. And once he busted out of a screen that did not have a roof underneath it, and I think he thought he could fly, and he went from the second floor down to the first. And you may have dog problems, but you've never had a dog that tried to take his own life to get away from you. I have, right? <laughs> so we would take Ziggy camping, and, and he was a great camper, but then when we'd tie him up to a tree which would hold him until there was something in front of Ziggy that he wanted more than, than, than where he was at. And when something was in front of him that he wanted, he would run all the way to one side and he would sprint towards what he wanted until the rope snapped. And it would, and he'd do it again. Full speed, full speed until the rope just pops. And then he gets it. Either the rope would snap or his neck would snap, but his neck never snapped. I was waiting for his neck to snap. It reminds me of this spiritual principle that there was something in front of him that what he wanted. And faith is a lot like that, that when something is in front of you, when God can bring vision to, to what he has for your life, it may be hazy, it may not be fully clear, but when there is something in front of you that you should rightfully possess, then there's no rope that can hold you. There's no chain that can keep you bound. Faith Hope and love. Let's talk about hope. I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. We'll read it in the King James Version because uh, I like its poetic flow. It's 1 Corinthians 15. It says, If in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Paul says, look, our hope is not just in this life, but we have another life to come. Yet even in this life, we still have hope for this life. Hebrews 6 speaks of the unchangeable promises of God. It talks about Abraham who was given a promise that seemed impossible to become a father of nations. And eventually, that promise was brought to him, brought to fruition. Out of this confidence in God's unchanging nature, the author writes this in Hebrews 6. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. I like that, that hope is an anchor to the soul. Hope is the belief that tomorrow can be better than today. Hope cannot be soon, but it, it's seen, but it embraces our future. It gives you the confidence and the conviction that you have the potential to not only to survive, but to thrive. Hope, it is an anchor to the soul. Do, do you know why a ship needs an anchor? Because of its potential to drift. And even when the waters are calm, the motion of the ocean will cause that ship to drift over time. And the anchor says that you can drift so far, but eventually the slack will be taken up and you can go no further. This is what hope is. Hope puts a leash on the soul. That says you can drift thus far, but you cannot go any farther. Hope, it puts, it's an anchor to the soul. 
that it, it anchors, it, it, keeps us, it keeps us centered of where we're supposed to be. That I may get depressed, but I'm only going to go so far. That I may become dismayed, but my soul will only drift so far. That my mind will get distracted and overwhelmed with the what-ifs, but they will only be carried away so far. That anxiety may greet me in the morning, but it will not carry my life away because my soul is anchored. Now, I've experienced this. About three years ago, went through the dark night of my soul and shared that with you of how difficult it was. And my future in ministry was really unknown and was just, uh, you know, questioning God. And what, what do you have for me? What does this look like? And everything I thought I knew was now into question. And I, I know you've never had those moments. Yes, you have. But, and I, I, was, I was in that season where nothing made sense. And uh, physically, I was exhausted. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I was exhausted. And, and, and I drifted far, probably further than I ever had drifted. Now, I don't mean drifted into sin. I just, I drifted where I was not sure what my future held in ministry. My wife and I were talking about this Friday because at the same time she was going through uh, her own dark night of the soul. And the only, here's what kept us from stepping over the edge was that at some point that anchor held and said, you can go thus far, but you can go no farther because hope is an anchor to the soul. And eventually, that, that, that rope began to be pulled in. But if, if we had not spent a life sowing into faith, hope, and love, I don't know if we would have weathered that storm. I don't know what that would have looked like for us. And for you, I don't know what the storm is in your life. But if you're not sowing into faith, hope, and love, at some point, you will go through your dark night of the soul. And you're going to need hope to be an anchor that causes you to not drift into obscurity. With hope, you're a survivor, but if you lose hope, your survival is in question. And then Paul says, love. Love makes us do crazy things. I often think that in 2016, with as far as we've come, why do we have this need for love? I mean, it makes us crazy we do crazy things. It hurts when love is, is, is uh, you know, rejected. It all kind, nothing hurts like when love has been pulled away from you. It makes us do stupid things. The first time when I went to pick up my wife, went to 12th Street and Thomas, just out of love. I was this middle, you know, middle class, maybe upper middle class kid. I never go to 12th Street and Thomas. I'm driving there thinking, where does she live exactly? You know what love caused us to do? Eventually, love caused us to park in alleys and parks that we should have never been in. Well, that and she talked me into it. But you know, because I was this good Christian boy. But you can read between the lines there. Because love will make you do stupid things that you know you shouldn't do. Paul says, look, what must remain is faith, hope, and love. And look what he says. These three... Uh, and, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And then he said, but the greatest of these is love. Jesus, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? In Matthew 22, he said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your uh, soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he said, and the second is like this, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So let me ask, when did you give up on love? 
When did you justify hate and justify bitterness? And when did you become numb? And when did you give up on others? And when did you begin to classify and segregate and put people into categories and love some more than you love others? And Paul says, in the end, these three must remain, faith, hope, and love. Love covers a multitude of sins that overcomes family hang-ups and overcomes offenses and hurt feelings and it allows us to look past the worst in people and remain in relationships even when they're ugly, even when they fail. Let me read the passage again, 1 Corinthians 13. So now faith, hope, and love remain. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Today, We need to protect what matters. And there is an enemy that is coming for you. And what he is coming for is the key three. And so if you're looking for something to sow into for your life, for your future, faith, hope, and love. The next three weeks, we're going to break these down. We're going to look at faith. We're going to, what, how, does, how does faith and doubt play together? We're going to talk about how do we hope when, when all of our circumstances turn against us. What does love look like? What does it mean? How is it practiced? And we're going to kind of unpack this a little bit in hopes that when your dark night of the soul hits or when you draw your last breath, maybe there'll be a memory trigger and you're going to say, I remember what that pastor said. And in my life, faith, hope, and love abide. And your last breath can be a breath of peace. Pray with me. Today can be a day of refocusing for us. And so, Holy Spirit, I I pray that. Because I know there are some here who, at the end of the resources, at the end of the rope... Maybe in some measure they've given up on faith. Maybe in some way they've given up on hope or love. And today I pray that you would rekindle the three. I pray that you would rekindle the three regardless of what circumstances look like, regardless of what family, other family members choose, regardless of, of what tomorrow, that we would begin to, to, to allow you to rekindle the three that must remain and that you would begin to stir them in us. Would you speak that over us, Lord? In your own way, would you just ask for God to come and begin to stir those three in you? Our decision to sow into this is not a simple decision of raising your hand or saying a prayer. It is a daily decision. It is a moment-by-moment decision. And so upon you, reveal, I pray for the three that remain, that need to abide in you, your faith, 
your hope, and your love. We embrace that truth and put it into practice now. Would you release us, Spirit of God, to be encouraged today? Encouraged to get back to basics, to push aside the clutter, and to focus on what matters. And to understand that there is an enemy who is coming after us. And he's not interested in our stuff. He's interested in taking the three things that matter most. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Reveal, I'm glad that you're here. Listen, if today struck a chord with you and you need prayer, would you please let someone pray for you? I know it may get you out of your comfort zone, but see what God might do. We'll have a few people here who would love to pray for you. Also, on your way out, please say yes to our children's ministry. You are a key to making us stronger together. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. God bless you.